like, okay, I'm a lion, I'm a lion. They're really excited about that. I'm a lion, I'm a lion. But then it hits the ears, the conditional ears, and it be, turns into, I can become like a lion. Yes? That's the dilemma. One of the dilemmas around this. Because if the message is inherently about nothing, the conditional mind can't help itself but make it something. Yeah? It has to make it palatable to fit the formulation or to fit the system when the dilemma in a way is is the systemic it's the system that is off it's not like there's little bumps the system is having a hard time getting over but it's just, it's a systemic situation it's you know it's like in recovery where they talk about it as it's a failed system basically when it asks us a very simple question it says why do you, are you in so much fear today and so its answer is, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? That explains a whole lot, that statement, if you can let it hit you. He's giving you a statement, why, did, why, why is it that you're in, why, did, why are you in so much fear today? Now, everyone would have a story why they're probably in fear, usually based on circumstances and situations, right? Let's say they may be, they don't have a place to stay tonight. So I remember when I came into AA in this pro in the program, I was looking for a place to stay, and I would be talking to people, and they go, "Well, go to a meeting." My logic that didn't make sense to me. <laughs> I need a place to stay tonight. They go, "Go to a meeting." How does that have anything to do with my dilemma, which is I need a place to stay? And they would give me the same bad answer: "Go to a meeting." Yeah, this is sort of what it's like. It's just, why are you in so much fear today? And he doesn't let us answer, or the book would have been huge, yeah? <laughs> Tons of stories of why we believe we're in fear. <laughs> it says, this is because self-reliance has failed us. Very simple statement. So the systemic dilemma is the mind's relying on a failed system of thought and interpretation, yes? In other words, its navigational system is broken. It's not that, and it can't be repaired. It's inherently broken. Yeah? It's based on a fundamental flaw that only geometrically progresses in where and what it's entertaining, which is time and space. That's what it's doing. It just keeps geometrically progressing the dilemma. Yeah? So in a way, it's sort of like the biggest, the most important step of a 10,000 step journey is the first one, because it sets the, the direction. Or in Buddhism, they talk about the Eightfold Noble Path and the one of the first aspects of it, if you look at it as a linear uh, situation, like the 12 steps of AA, it says the first thing is right view. Yeah. And then there's right livelihood, right action, right meditation, right understanding. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But the, what happens is, without the view being right, that right can't transmigrate into the right, right meditation, right understanding, right activity, right livelihood. And you're not going to produce the right view by right livelihood, right meditation, right understanding. You can't go the other way and produce the right view. The first, the right view is what you entertain. It's introduced to you, and then the mind entertains it, and then something gets to be, it seems to be so, and it entertains it, and then something's established, and then whatever you do gets infused with us, and it's just the word right. But it, get, it gets infused with something that's balanced and harmonious. In other words, you're going to start traveling lighter through your livelihood, through your actions, through your meditations, through your understandings. Yeah? Because the right view is the basis for all the other rights that become right. Yeah? It has to migrate from the view first. 
Your view can't be made right by meditating. But the right view can illuminate meditation, just like it can illuminate a walk in the park. It can illuminate whatever path you're on. But it's not a path to illumination. But it will illuminate everything you're doing. That's the inherent quality of it, yeah? So it's, in a sense, nothing. And yet, when the conditional mind tries to claim it, because when you hear the message, usually what happens is the raw mind gets it. The raw mind hits it, and there's an aha. Then the conditional mind arises, because it is a process. It's produced by a process. It arises and then claims the message, and now you go home and think about it. And then it gets neutered, yeah? Then it's made into something. Now you think you've got it, but what you've got is your own take on it. And your own take on it is from a failed systemic system, yeah? So in a way, the message is not from the problem, yeah? The problem wants to morph into the message and take it in so it makes sense within the problem's realm. But that's the problem in a sense. So nothingness can withstand the takeover, yeah? It will keep outshining all the times you try to make it something because it will be stubbornly staying nothing. (laughs) No matter how much you poke it or put something on it or try to put a uniform on it or to put it in a certain place or think you can only feel it at a certain location like a retreat, every time you try to make it something... It will always withstand that and just keep on keeping on being nothing. Yeah? And to me, that's the real gift that it keeps on giving, is that nothingness. Yeah? It's so incredible that when you're seemingly in the dilemma, when you're identified with the center of the system of self-centeredness, when you're taking yourself to be the doer and the haver and the thinker, and the one who's growing his hair, yeah? And the one who's digesting the burrito it ate a day ago, and the one who has all these things. When you're, from that point of view, you need a solution, yeah? Because the problem seems freaking real, yeah? Your house is on fire, you need a lot of pails of water, yeah? So now you hear this message, let's say, and the message, from the solution's point of view, there is no problem. That's the whole solution is there is inherently nothing is so that seems to be so in your head. It can't reach the point where it overrides its own limitations, which is it can only appear to be so. Just like we have the acronym for fear in AA, we say false evidence appearing real. False evidence can never be real. It can, the highest level it can ever reach is it can appear to be real. It needs someone to appear to be real too. That's our role. Not as Paul, you know, or as Deb, but as mind, yeah? So to the mind, false evidence can appear to be real. So as soon as it appears to be real, now the evidence that's false has a quality that can infect the persons that's entertaining it to be true, yeah? Or in the Course of Miracles, it would say, you and I are the dreamer of this dream. I like to say, you and I are the dreaming of this dream. We forgot that we're dreaming it, and we've given everything we're dreaming or dreamt the power to affect us. But the only thing that could be affected is also a dream. The dream tiger isn't going to scare anyone who's awake. It can only scare someone who seems to be asleep. So when the mind takes itself to be the dreamt object, then the dreamt tiger can scare the bejesus out of it. Yeah? 
It doesn't matter how many books of how to cohabitate a small space with a tiger you read, or anything like this, you're still going to have a fear that that tiger can rip your freaking neck off because it's a possibility in that situation. The freedom is when you wake up. Then if it's, when you wake up, the dreamt tiger doesn't wake up into a waked up tiger. It's still dreamt. And you recognize that it's dreamt. And as soon as you recognize that it's dreamt, it loses the it loses the power that you gave it to affect you. Yeah, you can use the same thing with thoughts and everything else. Everything can only arise to a certain point of appearing to be so. They can't put, they can't break out of that limitation and be so. There's only one thing that's being so. And you are of that, yeah, right now. The seeing, that quality of being aware right now is what is so. Everything, you can throw it all in one big basket. Everything that appears cannot be inherently so, yeah. That's why people are concerned with, they think they want something to be gone, but something that was never here can't be gone. It just appears or disappears based on your condition, yeah. So you believe you're done with certain, a certain fear or anxiety you have, and maybe you get a couple of years of reprieve, and yet if the circumstances, situations, and the mental condition, and emotional condition, and sometimes the physical condition, conspire to produce a Petri dish, that same situation or fear is going to arise. Because it doesn't exist, it only appears or not appear to you. Yeah? And in a sense, inherently, you and I are the source of where all the meaning is being given to those things that are appearing and disappearing. And this is a, a thing that's appearing and disappearing. It may have a longer stretch than a, a situation or a thought. We say maybe it's appearing for 90 years, but it still wasn't there. Yeah, It seems to be now, and it's not going to be here. So it's appearing and disappearing. It's just a different level of, or length of time. That's all. That's the only thing. And we try to take credit, or it seems to give us a certainty that we're so, because we seem to be so longer than other things that seem to be so. Yeah? So I was here before this showed up, and I was here when it left, so I must be the constant. And this, these thoughts come and go, but I don't. But no, that's not a fact. If you, if the, if the, if the camera backed up even more, you would see the same principle you just applied to that thought applies to you as a body. You appeared, (laughs) and you're going to disappear. So we were t- I was reading this thing as I was having a garage sale. So all these books, I sold a lot of like quote-unquote spiritual books. But some of them I was reading before I let them go, you know. I sold a lot of them too. It's incredible. A lot of people bought these, this, this stuff. I had the books of how to get into the moment. <laughs> how to really get into the moment and how to really, really get into the moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have those. <laughs> but this this thing I was reading, it brought me back to see. I like stuff because I, it's getting cooked in my own experience. But sometimes when I read something, it says basically what I've been saying in a different way, and I like it because it's in a different way. But the whole idea of of this sense of self, and it's a sense, it's a feeling, a vague feeling. A lot of people think of the ego. To me, the ego is a mental representation of the mental process. 
It doesn't go as far as the sense of self goes. The sense of self is the vague feeling of having an ego. That's the sense of self. Yeah? The, sen- the feeling that you have an ego is the sense of self. You know what I mean? When there's a recognition and we, they've given it a name called an ego, and you may think you have a big picture of it, you're probably seeing just an inch of its tail, but you can go, that's my ego. But then again, that feeling that it's your ego is the sense of self that's being produced. That's the real bondage in my view. Yeah? So this sense of self needs to be produced. Because it's not inherently so. There isn't a self. This is I'm just my hypothesis. It's not mine. It's just out there quite a lot now. So let's just say, if how could something appear to be so if it wasn't so? It would have to be remembered, yeah? In a way. Yeah? So the thought system pictures you as a body. Yeah, or in a body, or having a body. Yeah, but the way it can think about you is this this anchor called a body. It can't think about you as a spirit. I mean, how could the spirit wake up on the bad side of the bed? You know, the bad, wrong side of the bed. You know what I mean? It's not waking up out of any bed. You know, how can a spirit be on a journey, a spiritual journey? How could a thing that has no legs or arm or doesn't crawl? How could it be on a journey? You know, the whole, all the language supports us as a body. The whole, our whole story in life is talks, is about us as a body. You know, spiritual quests and all this stuff. The mountaintop, I was, I was raised up to the mountaintop and dashed down on the, in the chasm of hell. What would be raised up to a mountaintop? All there is? Of course not. A body. What would be thrown down to the pits of hell? All there is? Of course not. A body. Yeah. So the, the, the thought system holds you and I as a body. Yeah? And when it thinks about us, where does it think about us? Where it's thinking about us is here, but where it places us is there and then. So, you have thought about, let's say two years ago, your mind is going over an event you had. And it's not even, a lot of it's unconscious, because right now, this moment is being judged by there and then. You're not facing this moment at all. You're facing a mental moment which is chock full of there and then. Yeah? So here's the thought system. The thought system pictures you three years ago when you were having a bad time. Yeah? And your interested attention, because it's you, follows those thoughts to this no, this no man's land, this imaginary place to, called what's not happening. And then your thought about... And then a lot of feelings can be construed or, or, or affected in this moment, and one of them is that vague sense of self. So the self needs to be remembered. So the thought system thinks about you in the past, and it also remembers you by thinking about you in the future. They're both forms of remembering self. It does, it's not just inclusive with the past. The future is also used for the same thing. So when you're thinking about what's going to happen to you five weeks from now, and your imagination is now enslaved to the thought system. Not like when you were a kid and you were imagining things. Now you imagine things in language. You imagine things in time and situations, how they would affect you. Yeah? It's the same imagination, but it's been so subjugated by the thought system, it's driving us fucking crazy now, really. So, here's, so here it is. So now you're thinking about, I'm going to have cancer five weeks from now. What, what enlivens that and produces an effect 
is your imagination. You imagine what it would be like to have cancer five years from now, as you are right now. Which, and the only way you are right now is how you were. <laughs> and it's, so, it's all being remembered. Yeah? So, you were there, you will be there, therefore I am here. That's what it's doing. Yeah? I was there, look it. I have pictures two years ago. I have memories. I have feelings about what happened to me three years ago. I was there. Definitely valid. I've got people agreeing with me. Okay. I, therefore, I will be there. Now, that's a big assumption, but you're pretty much based on it that you were here. So now, I, because I was here, I'm going to be here for sure. So I'm worthy to be worried about. And therefore, I am here now. That's the remembrance of self. That's how the sense of self is reestablished every moment. Because it isn't here, so it can only appear to be here. And it needs to be produced for that appearance to occur. And so it's remembered. Yeah? So in St. Francis of Assisi says, it's in self-forgetting. Yeah? It isn't your, not forgetting you, it's in self-forgetting. You forget the self. When you're doing something you really love, usually you hit moments in that activity where you're out of self, in a way. You've forgotten to remember self. Yeah? So let's say if I'm in the water and the surf's good and all the elements are so demanding to the hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling, yeah? There's, there, my, the emphasis, my interest and attention isn't, isn't stubbornly addicted to self as much. It's easily, it's easily pulled off of that remembrance and being engaged with what's happening and you feel great. You have a big smile on your face, and this and that. That's the, that's the effect of forgetting self. Yeah? And why do you think they say this? And there's a great Zen master called Dogen, who says to study Buddhism is to study the self, and to study the self is to forget the self. Yeah? So when you study the self, what happens? Hopefully, if, in one sense, if you study the self as a self, that self-knowledge isn't going to avail you anything, like it says in recovery. Yeah? Because self can't get out of self. No matter how much it knows, uh, no matter how much it knows about holes, it keeps falling in holes. Yeah? I mean, there's no, what's, what value is that if it doesn't keep you out of the holes? Yeah? So let's say this knowledge about self, if you really see it as a foreign installment, what will happen? You will forget it. You won't be that interested in the processes that are reinforcing it and remembering it. Yeah? And if those processes aren't taking all your interest and attention, they won't be able to produce such an effect as if you're here. Yeah? And therefore, you'll be freed from the bondage of self. You'll be in the space of forgetting self. Yeah? And in that space of forgetting self, something becomes obvious that's never obvious when you're remembering self. <laughs> self can't find that. Self wants to be there to experience its own absence, but that's impossible. <laughs> so while it's waiting to get it, you never seem to get it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So what happens if I, I start entertaining the idea, hey, I'm not that. What may happen? My interest and attention may leave that system that's reinforcing and implying and insinuating and inferring that there's someone there may lose interest in that system. The system doesn't have to stop at all. It doesn't have to do anything. But your interest attention will alight off of it, will move off of it, and then you'll find out what it's like to be freed from the bondage of self. You can't know it because it's too quick. 
It's too immediate. The only way you can know it is by finding out. Yeah. So you're in an I don't know state, and in that I don't know state, you're relegated to finding out. Yeah. It may be uncomfortable in the beginning, but you'll get used to it pretty quickly. Because it's such an instantaneous download. Yeah. So you'll find out what it's like not to be bonded to the idea of being a self. Yeah. And for me, what it does is it stabilizes over time to a point where I'm traveling lighter on a consistent level. And we're always talking about this, but let's say a lot of people want to have a big peak experience, let's say. Let's say their whole little story shatters, but at a given time it may recoagulate, yeah? So they have this big event, and then they make this big event a very special event, they make it something, and actually that big event now is used to point out to you that you're not in the big event anymore, most every other moment, yeah? So it doesn't serve you, but what would happen if every day, every moment of your life, a little of the possibility of heaviness was skimmed off? Every second of this day, every second of this Wednesday, a little bit of heaviness was skimmed off. Yeah? Could you imagine over time how much that would be worth? Just like that, there was one of the biggest one of the biggest heists years ago was when they were they were working. They were taking like a quarter of a penny off all these transactions, and it was billions of transactions. If you looked at each singular transaction, it didn't look like anything. No one even noticed that a quarter of a penny was missing. But in the billions of transactions, they got away with a whole lot of freaking money. That's exactly what it's like. It's like the thief in the night. It's like the thief in the night, yeah? And the joy is when you, under, when you get it, when you have gratitude for it, when you honor it, when you recognize that invisible presence, when you recognize that influence that didn't seem to be obvious in the past, yeah? You can't recognize it by seeing it, feeling it, tasting it, touching it, but because there's consciousness, because there's awareness, you can intimate it, yeah? And then it becomes very familiar with you. You sense that presence. You actually almost, in a way, start seeing nothing. It's almost as if you can see the space that you're in. It gets that, that, that tactile, yeah? You feel it. And then the mind, instead of entertaining everything from the definition or from the frame of self-centeredness, yeah, which severely limits its ability to entertain, it's now sort of free-ranging. Yeah? The frame has been seen not to be so, nor ever, it never was so. So there was never any event that broke the frame. Seen, you just realized there was no frame. There's the highest level that it could reach was it appeared to be a frame based on you, based on the mind that was seeing it that way. Yeah? When the mind changes, all the seeming frames are seen not to be so. Yeah? Then the whole idea of time, even ordinary time, gets very, very uh, spongy. The partitions of seconds and minutes and days and months and years, and you see, instead of having these snapshots of a day trying to crystallize in memory, it's more like, it's more like a mural like a living color coming out from the canvas instead of being thrown on the canvas. It, sort of, it leads out of the canvas. Yeah? And you're there seeing it. Yeah? You're moving with it. 
You're not here and it's moving and you're, you're this stationary point. The way you truly see it is you're moving with it. You're never going to see it as a noun. You're never going to recognize the beingness of this place as a noun. It's a false position. It's like being putting a flagpole in the river and saying, this is the river. Yeah? The only way you recognize it is when you recognize your own sense of being. Yeah? Then you can see the being. Now you're flowing with life is happening. It's not like you're, you're stagnant and singular and now life's happening to you. You're, that's dismissed and now you're flowing with it. And then you can recognize this movement because you're keeping up with it. You're moving right within it. Yeah? It has a great leavening effect on all the mountains and molehills you make and not make all day. You get to a point where you realize the best way to get out of something is to get that you were never in it. It takes absolutely no time to not escape. <laughs> <laughs> called The Wisdom of No Escape. I think that was it, isn't it? <laughs> There's no escape. That's the wisdom. <laughs> How can you escape from an imaginary place? <laughs> Once you make it real, you can buy all the maps you want to get out of it. You're never going to get out of it because now you believe you're in it. <laughs> and being out of it is just the side of the same coin. <laughs> if you believe you're in it, you're going to want to get out of it. That's being in it. <laughs> Stop trying to find a solution to the, the false assumption. Just see it as a false assumption, and you'll realize there's no need for a solution. That's the solution. Yeah? That's why it's so beautiful. When you're seemingly in the problem, you need a solution. But when you entertain the solution, it tells you there is no problem, and therefore there's no need for a solution either. That's the real solution. That's how light it is. That's how economical it is. You don't even get stuck with carrying a solution through the rest of your life. <laughs> that, goes with the, that goes with the seeming problem. <laughs> the solution is just as seeming as the problem is. <laughs> I ran into a guy today. He was in a lot of self-pity, his mind, you know. Ooh, he was like bathing in it. It was like he was like in a bubble bath. He was luxuriating in it. <laughs> oh man, his mind was just. He was like like fucking. He was like mud wrestling with himself, you know. <laughs> so I've been a total failure all my life. <laughs> Get the violins out, give me a fucking break. He's been a total failure. You're still here. You've already succeeded as a physical apparatus. You're still alive. <laughs> You're 53 years old. At one level, you've been successful. <laughs> but you can just see it. The mind, it's incredible. Once it, once it takes the role of being the doer, it can just riff on so many shenanigans based on that. You can look a path, you can look on your supposed past and find that you were a failure in everything you've ever done. Yeah. 
And the problem is, why he can't let go of that is he can't let go of the doer. Yeah. The bondage isn't on the activities that he thinks he did or didn't do. It's on the being the doer is the real bondage. That's where the mind doesn't want to let go. Yeah. It's not on all the problems. It's, it's, it's on the one who has the problems. Yeah. The one who has the problem lends the sense of being a problem to everything else. Yeah. And it's very easy then to put, put off the real questioning and then start dealing with all the problems that you seem to be having. But you're the biggest problem. Like it says in AA, we're not people with problems, we are the problem. Yeah. How could we be the problem and yet get relief from it? If we were the problem, then, the, then it says there's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. If we were truly the problem, then it would be a hopeless state of mind and body. But it's only seemingly. And seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. So in a sense, the only way you can be the pro- problem, and, and in a sense not be the problem, is that the problem is identification as. Yeah. If the identification as a self, and it's all a verb, it's not identification as being the, the verb, and then there's a self. So there's you as a self, identifying as a self, it's not that. Identification as a self is a verb. It's what the mental process is doing. Yeah? Called selfing. Yeah? That's it. That's what it's doing. It cannot make a noun. It can only appear to be one. Yeah? How does it appear to be one? The language system refers to you as a subject. It implies that you're the doer, even of an absurd thing of growing your own hair. It seems so innocent, but you can see the principle underneath it. Yeah? that people actually believe they're doing something they have nothing to do with. Like, and then it's on a real... And then they see, like, digesting food. It seems funny. You know, if I go... i got to go home I'm early tonight. I ate that big burrito. I had the yell grande. It's going to take me a few hours, so I'm going to have a short meeting tonight. <laughs> but we're now... But then we so nonchalantly keep being bonded to the idea that we're the thinker of the thoughts, as if we're the one that's doing that much more subtler process than digesting, yeah? But it's still a brain-body process, yeah? Yet we, we're, under, we're under the illusion that we're the thinker of the thoughts, and you don't see that as the real rub. It's not all the thoughts, but the, the sense that they're yours, yeah? I have total immunity to Deb's thoughts if I know them to be hers. But I can have the same thoughts, and if they're held as mine, they can have a huge effect on me. Is the effect coming from the thoughts or from the one who has the thoughts? It's coming from the one who has the thoughts. That's where the power lies. Yeah. If the power it stops being distributed to all these insane assumptions, yeah, by questioning some of them, then what would happen? Who knows? Find out. The interest and attention would be freed from that slavery, and then see where it lands. See where it flies to. See what it brings back during your day. Yeah? And you'll know the tree by its fruits. You'll see what it's like to be free from the bondage of self. You'll have an intimate experience of it. Yeah? Yet the source of it isn't an experience, but you'll have an intimate experience of that source's influence on your life. You'll see it happening during your day, all day. That's why it's so stubborn. In the program of recovery, it says we were powerless over alcohol. So if you follow that 
logic, when you drank or used, you were apt to do almost anything, yeah? Which I was. I had tons of experiences that no matter what my intentions were, once I drank or used, all bets were off, yeah? It used to go down a basic saint, you know, like an express or a local to hell, but it took different routes, you know? But it was basically that theme, but I had no idea how what was going to fucking happen, what I was going to do. Yet, I come in with that intimate experience that I was powerless, and yet the stubbornness of the thought system to keep thinking I'm the doer will even be applied to those past behaviors when I was under the influence. I'll still be feeling guilty and shameful for it all because I'm the doer. Yeah? Even though I say I got the principle that it's stating that I was powerless, like it's sort of like dancing with a gorilla, you stop when it wants to stop, and I really have an intimate experience that, yet my stubbornness of the conditional mind will keep implying that I was the doer and guilt and shame will still be produced from that imaginary fucking field. Yeah? Only to sort of ornament the sense of self. And doing all the talks over the years, the thing that upsets people the most is when you start talking about doership. <laughs> That's the one thing they ain't willing to sort of question. They believe they have free will, and it doesn't matter if you think you have it or not, it doesn't matter. But they believe they're the doer. Yeah? Somehow there's a doer. And it's one of the it's one of the archetypical glues that keep you bonded to the idea of being a self. Yeah. When you investigate it as a self, it will override all the evidence that points it's not so. If you can see it clearly, it'll be obvious that it's not so. Even in your own experience here, what the fuck did you do after a few shots of vodka? Almost anything. (laughs) Yeah? Where did all your intentions and willpower go? You You were just a form of transportation for a deep mental groove called alcoholism. You don't believe that's happening, not happening to us all day? We're always, we're always being taken over. This is what this is. This is a possibility for what can't be soaked to have an effect here. Tons of mental winds, some really beautiful, some maybe not so beautiful, are wanting to blow through us to have a, have a moment of expression here. Yeah. It's sort of like the hose in the water. The water, without any intention, when it moves through the hose, will clean the hose, yeah? The hose is actually, the only way it defines itself is by functioning as the carrier of the water. If there's no water moving through it, it's just an empty plastic tube. It's defined by that water moving through it, yes? In our case, though, we're like, you know, all those appliances in a kitchen. The toaster is never going to make a smoothie. Yeah? It's not going to make a smoothie. <laughs> You're not going to heat up your supper in a fucking, in a, in a blender, usually. Yeah? All these things are being driven by a force called electricity, but they're taking themselves to be the functioning. So that energy is forgotten, and the toaster thinks it's a toaster. And now it has opinions about what kind of bread it's going to toast. I'm not going to take any rye bread. It's an anti-Semitic toaster. You know? No <laughs> rye bread for this toaster. And all this stuff, all these insane possibilities start becoming prevalent when this assumption, when it's forgotten, what's really moving it, what's really 
what's really enlivening it isn't its toasterness. Its toasterness gets to facilitate the energy that's moving through it, and it and it expresses in a certain manner called toasting. You know, it toasts bread just like the blender. But if you followed all the wires back, they'd go to one place: the electrical outlet. Yeah, there's the one source. We're like a facilitator for awareness to have, or consciousness to have an experience here, and yet we, we're taking ourselves to be the one that's doing it. Or we're like the telescope that allows the scientists to see the stars as if they're closer, even though they haven't moved. If you see the event from outside, there's the telescope, the guy behind it, and the stars just seem as far as they seem. But to the, now with the telescope, the scientist gets to see the stars as if they're closer. They're more defined. If it walks away and the telescope gets a crazy idea, I'm the one who's seeing the stars, what the hell is it going to see? It's going to see the only stars that ever were seen, and that's going to be the past, when the scientist was looking through it. Yeah? It's just going to make up a fucking story, as I'm still seeing the stars when it isn't. It just facilitates the seeing of the stars. So this is an expression or an opportunity that's facilitating something to occur. Conscious contact. What is that which is in contact? I would just lengthen out that statement conscious into consciousness. It's not Paul, it's not Steve, it's not Deb that's in conscious contact. It's consciousness in contact through what we're calling Paul and Steve and Deb. Yeah? And it will be great relief for the experience of Paul and Steve and Deb to entertain that possibility. Because look at the heaviness that's being produced by entertaining. You're the one that's in conscious contact. That you're the doing of the seeing and the doing of the hearing and the doing of the thinking and the doing of the feeling. How's it working out? I say it's producing a huge amount of heaviness that's demanding relief and then we look for relief just as ignorantly as we look for that. Yeah. So one addiction, the addiction of the mind, addicted to the idea of self, spawns all your addictions to get relief from that. Basically, every addiction was trying to get relief from self. Every time I shut up was I was trying to get out of myself. It didn't work. You can't transcend an imaginary place. You can't get out of something you're not in. That's the frustrating point. Our logic is so off, we can't believe, we can't get out, and what happens is it's usually turned on us that I'm doing something fucking wrong. I'm the only person who's ever read Buddhism and didn't get it. I'm the only person who came into AA and can't get it. You know, it's just more self-centeredness. Constantly, now you're the doer of your own failures. It's insane. The thing, you can't self-hate, can't get out of self. It's just going to keep turning back into itself, yes, and it's trying to forget itself, which is referring about itself, yeah? You can study two years about obsession with self, but that could be construed as an obsession with self. <laughs> you know, you're studying, <laughs> and the funny thing is, you really believe you're getting out of something. <laughs> you're getting out of it. Maybe sometimes slowly. <laughs> because
because the, the producer, the author of the story has to reinforce the story. It can't admit that it's a failed system. The self can't transcend the system that's making it. It doesn't exist anywhere. The highest level it can reach is an appearance or a sense or a vague feeling of. Yeah? <laughs> that was the biggest ironies when I realized all, the, all my incredible strict practices of getting out of it were just another form of being in it. <laughs> Sitting 14 hours a day. <laughs> the mind will give you spiritual experiences and you'll really think you're getting somewhere. <laughs> oh, it's funny. <laughs> That's one of the biggest reliefs you get is the need to be liberated. <laughs> you get relieved from that need. <laughs> you just see that as like smoke and mirrors. <laughs> You're in program, yes? So you know the pause. Just got a 20 year chip. Yes, the pause, you know. That space where your original face is reflecting conscious contact. Your original face isn't a noun or a thing or an image, it's what's seen. And everything before the interpretation occurs, the pause occurs first. There's conscious contact, and then there's the pause. That's the recognition of what you are. Yes? The awareness of the conscious contact. Then the mental process starts and plants you as being prior to all of that. So you're produced, and yet when you're produced, you feel like you were before the production. That's what it does all day. Yeah. So what, will this help you? It helped me. I let it. I let it in, and I entertain the possibilities it offered. If I'm, if I don't, if I'm not remembered, then I have no basic influence in this moment. Yes. And what's easier than forgetting something? And I forget my keys every day. I forget a lot of things. I'm very I'm adept at forgetting. So, when I go surfing, there's the forgetting of self. When I come to these meetings, there's the forgetting of self. Quickly forget I'm an alcoholic. Hmm? Yes. That problem doesn't even exist for me anymore. Because it doesn't exist as me anymore. If, it, if you keep existing as the problem, then the experience of it not existing will be existing, not existing, existing, not existing based on some whimsical interpretation of your head. But if it doesn't exist as you, then your basic state will stabilize in that the problem doesn't exist for you anymore. That will be your experience. Yeah? But the experience is just reflecting the state that it doesn't exist as you. If the state is you're existing as that, then your experience will be it doesn't exist for me, it exists for me, it doesn't exist for me, it exists for me. 
I surrendered, I took it back, I surrendered, I took it back. It'll be like that quite a lot. But if it doesn't exist as you, it's a whole different ball game. Then your experience will will stabilize into it doesn't exist for you anymore. Because it's not existing as you. Yeah. Right.